Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. city regulations now in uh, Oudshorn, South Africa, have decreed that it is a nuisance to keep a corpse anywhere other than a mortuary or a similar suitable place. Uh, the penalty for keeping an unauthorized corpse around is $63 a day, the first day, and only $5 a day thereafter. You get the, you know, you get, it's a little cheaper if you want to keep around for a month. <laughs> You know, that's, uh, that's the spring crazy time. Uh, this uh, One of the reasons I like the spring so much is that it, it's, uh, it is that time. You know, it's the silly time of the year coming on. It's uh, beginning to bubble in the blood, and uh, it's kind of exciting. Uh, I, I think that uh, there are certain times of the year when man is far more conventional than other times, and uh, spring is a time of madness. It is. I appreciate this. You even see among the engineers faint flickers of passion. And, uh, yes, they recall the days when they had glands. It's like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Would you please, we're going to salute glands, please. Please, please. Bring, bring, bring out my gland salute music. Yeah, all right. Oh, God. Think of some of the things that you've never really given, uh, given uh, thanks for. And tonight is part of our best public service programming on the deeply concerned radio station. 
are deeply concerned with your life and the lives of all our fellow men. We uh, would like to salute tonight uh, something which we all have, but very rarely do we speak about. Glands. Get up there, bang there. Hooray for the glands. Just think what life would be without the glands. We just walk around and do nothing but eat oatmeal. And live like poor old turtles that they don't have no glands. Oh, yeah. Hooray for the glands. Up on that thing, soon. May I uh, play a little nose food here? Do you hear? taken uh, the time out, since it is spring, you know, so many things happen in spring, and I'm going to have to warn you, uh, I'm going to have to warn you, hey, listen, uh, one thing before I get started here, very important announcement here, uh, it is, it really is, it's uh, earth-shaking importance, uh, beginning next week, uh, that is Monday, we will be heard at 11.15, which is our old time. Uh, you know, when, when we moved to 10.15 about uh, oh, a few years back, there was a fantastic uproar. I got hundreds of letters from people griping about the change. And I'm, I personally wasn't particularly happy about it uh, because 11.15 is the time. I don't know. It's just right for my stuff. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if any time is right, let's put it that way. I mean, let's be perfectly honest about life here. And uh, so beginning next Monday... We are going on the air at 11.15 p.m. Monday through Friday. And that's the way it is. And uh, so don't immediately at 10.16 start uh, writing an angry letter saying what happened. They finally fired Shepard. Now, I, I've just moved. <laughs> <I'm>, I've moved. <laughs> that's, been, that's been in the works, too. But uh, I'll be... I'll be <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. There's, there's no way. No way. I, I have insinuated myself into the marrow of bones here. And it's impossible. To uproot Shepard would be more difficult at this point than to get rid of crabgrass in the state of New Jersey. No way. You can, you, you know, you can stomp it out on one little corner of the lawn, but it's going to come back. And uh, that's, uh, that's the way life goes, you know, when you're, when you're basically a monster. You don't give up. So, uh, nevertheless... Uh, as of uh, next Monday, remember now, 11.15. Don't want to hear any more complaints. You, you know, speaking of uh, complaints, I, I must say that uh, one of the things that uh, a good citizen of the, of the city knows, uh, that uh, spring not only brings uh, April showers and May flowers and, uh, you know, all those goody things, all Valentines and all that kind of stuff, spring also brings the new crop of cockroaches. And uh, 
a whole new generation of cockroaches is now walking the earth for the first time this spring. And we, did you, did you know that this is a, a whole new generation? You know that we, one of the things that sets man apart from other creatures, according to the current issue of the Smithsonian Magazine, by way of a famous uh, British scientist, is that, uh, see, I, I have to bring in these official uh, uh, credentials, because if I said it, you'd say, oh, there goes some of that shepherd jazz. And, uh, that uh, One of the things that sets man apart is his ability to use tools, sets him apart from the other animals, except that this has not necessarily set him apart from the animal world completely. For example, there are certain woodpeckers that have learned to use tools, and certain other animals uh, have been known to pick up a stick and scratch their back with it and so on. Yes, that's true. The, uh, certain gorillas uh, do things like that with sticks and things like that. But the thing that sets man apart, really, from the other creatures, no other creature does this, is his ability to transmit information about using tools to his fellow creature. You see, that's... Uh, and furthermore, transmitted from generation to generation. Now, that's a very new thing, see, among the, the primates, among any animals. And uh, so the fact that, the, that the, some guy a uh, long time ago invented a pencil and he showed somebody else around him how to use the pencil. Today, you don't even remember learning how to use a pencil. I mean, but, but it was transmitted along, see? Well, one of the things that, uh, that draws us closer to the cockroach, and I think that man has great uh, things in, in, uh, in, in real, uh, in common, almost he shares them uh, in tandem with the cockroach is that there is certain evidence that cockroaches, too, pass along information to other cockroaches. You know, like uh, where to hit the jackpot uh, in the, uh, you know, in the cookie department. Uh, you know, what's a really great sink to live under? Uh, because they don't seem to work it uh, singularly. When you find one cockroach, there's a hell of a lot of others. They may not be out walking around with their feelers, but they're there, right? Uh, now, a lot of you have probably never even seen a cockroach. I mean, in anger. You possibly see him, uh, seen him in books and that, but uh, I'm directing this tonight to people in the city who are celebrating the onslaught and the beginning of a new joyous cockroach season. Uh, the spring, the, the the young cockroaches come out for the first time, and they're being taught by the old cockroaches on how to hide behind the uh, refrigerator. They're being taught all the tricks of the cockroach trade, and. Uh, and it's kind of good to see the young stock come out with such vitality. They, 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 I've seen uh, several of the younger cockroaches for this season already, and they, 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 they have the old spring in a step. Uh, but uh, even though man's world may seem to be getting a little more difficult, uh, you know, we keep talking about how difficult life is. You know, that's one of the great myths, too. I keep hearing it. There's a Reader's Digest ad I hear on TV where the guy says, Yes, we're doing Tom Sawyer. Life was simpler then. Life was simple. You really think that life was actually simpler to a guy in Tom Sawyer's day? Y y yes, you, t you tend to think so because you only read about it. You're not living it, <laughs> which is a very different ball of wax. Simpler? Are you kidding? I mean, those guys were so, in those days, for one thing, they had great religious fears. Guys would spend their entire lives uh, tortured by the thought that they were going to go to hell. 
Not many people have that problem these days. But they had it then. They really did. The fears of sin and hell and damnation. I mean, they were on all sides. We don't want to get into that. You know, that, that gets to be really complex. I don't think life at any given time uh, is any simpler than it is at any other time. It just seems that way uh, to people who come later. Because it's always believed by people who live during a time that this is the most complex of all times. That, that it's unbelievably bad. Uh, this, uh, you know, this is an old uh, continuing human problem. And even, but the cockroaches, I, I'm delighted to say, don't seem to show this. That, that, that cockroaches seem to come each generation with as much verve as the one pre- prior to it. And they're better at it than they ever were, if, if possible. They're really producing more. You know that they say that the cockroach population is greater today than it was when Columbus discovered America? And this is on the, you know, the cockroach... Uh, demographics. Uh, I, I don't know whether you can call that demographics, can you? D- demo is the word for... Uh, no, I guess not. Well, I don't know. You'd have to think of a word there. But the cockroach demographics are very interesting, and now they're beginning to be the... Res- they're beginning to result in editorials in newspapers. I'm bringing you the latest cockroach news. Uh, this is from the Diamondback, which is the University of, uh, of Maryland's uh, official newspaper. One time I was at the University of Maryland for a brief, very exciting period in my educational life. Very exciting. Uh, the Diamondback, their paper. Now, uh, it's, uh, I'm glad to see that bugs are beginning to infiltrate the higher educational s- circles. So eventually, we're going to have a lot of very well-educated bugs. And I'm going to read this to you. It says, lately, it's called University Bugs. It says, lately, many, if not all, of the student leaders and student groups on campus have been criticizing administration, many for the food service mess, but for other things, too. And uh, it's not that I don't sympathize with these actions, or at least most of them. Uh, However, as a student, he says, uh, uh, one small, trivial, boring, insignificant issue I feel here at the school is bugs. It may sound strange, but if you will accompany me back in time to last Wednesday night, you will see the light. Wednesday, at about the 12.30 at night, as the Ellicott area mixer came to a chaotic and noisy end, I went down to the basement of my dorm, Hagerstown, for some nice warm milk to put me to sleep. Just as I was stepping out of the elevator at the ground floor, I saw this helpless damsel screaming bloody murder at the top of her lungs. She was saying, Oh, there's a two-inch roach! A two-inch roach! Running around in the laundry room! We're all going to die! Or something to that effect. So I investigated the situation. Around the corner, I saw a mother, huge, black, satanic, six-legged descendant of the devil himself, the cockroach that ate Chicago, here in the dormitory, terrorizing our women, our University of Maryland women, being terrorized by giant cockroaches. I felt that if that creature took one step toward me, I'd be done for. All it would have to do is to run up, grab my grab my ankle, and say, Gotcha! And I'd be shaking from fear and disgust, an easy victim of this monstrous killer. Which reminds me, this is WOR New York. I had visions of Willard and other movies where little creatures take over the world or something similarly unspeakable. I would like to suggest any film any filmmakers out there, you know, you all of you know what a fantastic success. Uh, the movie Willard was, which was uh, a, a movie glorifying the ordinary alley rat. 
And uh, as you know, the star of that movie, there was one called Ben. He was a fantastic hero and star. He was, uh, in fact, uh, nominated for an Academy Award, just beaten out by Brando, just by... Can you imagine this rat uh, sending up another rat to give a speech, uh, declining the Academy Award due to the fact that there is such a fantastic, unbelievably, and, and totally irrational fear of rats in the world? And that the, he, as an artistic rap, one who wins the Academy Award, cannot in good conscience accept this, this uh, ridiculous Oscar. And uh, he's going to take this opportunity. And, of course, he'd have to have a... He couldn't have a rat give the speech because that would, sm you know, smack of chauvinism. He could go out and get uh, a cockroach to give the speech, which is also another downtrodden minority. And literally downtrodden. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, uh, he... Uh, uh, he, he makes a good point here, this guy. I, I would like to suggest to any of you filmmakers that are out there, and before, uh, before we come up with a, suggest for a suggestion for a really dynamic film, uh, let's lay a couple of uh, uh, little commercials here, speaking of comedy. Let's uh, lay a couple of commercials on the quivering people. Out. My friend bought a Mazda, then he dropped out of sight, so he wrote me a letter to tell him to fight. He said, when you drive, it's hard to make you smile, so smooth and quiet, mile after mile. Piston engine goes. But the Mazda goes. You stand on the throttle, the engine comes alive. You fly down the highway in super drive. It's built to travel hour after hour. You just cruise in comfort with rotary power. Piston engine goes. But the Mazda goes. Well, I chose the far that left my soul before I knew it. I was passing on yeah, you like that, don't you? That's habit forming, like a lot of things. Go for a cruise in a Mazda. In Rutherford, New Jersey, your Mazda dealer is Park Avenue Mazda. That's nice. That always shakes the ashes out of your head. And Mazda, speaking of... Uh, Shaking them ashes out if you haven't had any of that fantastic wonton soup down at the House of Chan, friends. You are depriving your poor existence. And uh, for those of you who don't know about the House of Chan, I cannot believe that this is so. The owner is Mr. Su Chan. S-O-U. Su Chan. And he watches everything like a Chinese hawk. From the table service to the preparation of each dish. Mr. Su Chan makes sure everything is just right for you. There are 22 chefs, and each one is a master of the magic Chinese walk. As you know, you know the old song, I've been walking on the railroad. Yes, each one is a master of this fantastic Chinese walk, and there are 117 various types of chicken dishes alone available at the House of Chan. And uh, you can just go there and just go totally... Uh... Yeah, I was trying to think of the Mandarin word for ape. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, hunga! Yeah, that's it. You can go and go hunga anytime you want down there. And they'll just let you go all over the floor. Now, that's the House of Chan. And it's a great restaurant. Open seven days a week. They have a bar. They serve lunch. They serve dinner. And they're open till midnight. And they're on the corner of 52nd and 7th Avenue. 52nd Street and 7th Avenue. And you can't get no more in the middle of, of New York than that, right? How about a little beer, please? Hey, guess who was in here yesterday? 
Louis Travisher. Yeah, old Louis comes in and he orders up a Valentine like always. And like always, he's got troubles. Seems his wife's mad because Louis forgot their anniversary and she's hitting his hunting boots. Won't give him back. And Louis's all set for a big hunting trip. So I say, Louis, here's what you gotta do. Your wife's mad. You gotta take her a nice present. Like a case of Valentine beer. And he says, Connor, that's the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. And I say, no, 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 wait, look. Valentine stands for purity, body, and flavor, right? The three rings. And there's two more rings than you gave her when you got married. So Louis takes her a case of Valentine beer. Well, I guess it doesn't work out just right. Because Louis's wife got madder than ever and threw Louis's hunting boots out of the kitchen window. With Louis in them. Some world, huh? Yeah. Let me get you another Valentine. On the house. Yeah, 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 I know all about that. The uh, Ballantine Bonk Beer is now available. Falstaff Brewing Corporation, St. Louis, Missouri, and other great cities. So it says here doing the style of commercial. I have to do it, you know. Yeah. Oh, that really moves the beer. Uh, da <laughs> It's cackling up and down the avenue. Let's see, uh... I think we'll hold that last uh, little spot there for a while. You don't mind? Because, uh, we, we, you know, I, 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 tonight we're celebrating uh, the new cockroach season, and I'd like to continue this little uh, essay on what's happening in the, the bug world in the universities. See, we often know, we think of cockroaches living in people's apartments, but they're everywhere. And he said, I would like, before we do this, though, I would like to suggest uh, to a filmmaker out there who may be uh, interested in looking for a new idea. You know, one of the really problematic things, it really is a tough problem in the film world, is to come up with something new. I mean, because the, the insatiable demand for films is growing today. It's, uh, it's an incredible, insatiable demand. Because as people live more and more in the fantasy world, and they don't live in their own world much anymore, they've got to have more fantasies. Now, most people are incapable of creating their own fantasies. So, uh... That's where the film steps in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the average guy has uh, has the imagination about like, your, about like I'd say your average walking around uh, garden slug. He, uh, he doesn't have much imagination, but uh, he, uh, he likes to sit in front of his set with his mouth hanging open. You know, oh, yeah, that's real good. So uh, the film world is always looking for new and more exciting ways to titillate and amuse and entertain and uh, elucidate upon the world ideas, and uh, in other words, uh, pull in the dough at the box office. Now, how you do this? You have to have something new. All right, uh, the Ben was new. I mean, when Ben came out, this is the first film ever actually starring a rat. Now, there were other films that had been made by rats. Boy, if you know anything about them Hollywood guys, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's plenty of rats making films, and there's been plenty of guys played in films that were rats. But to have a rat play a rat in a film and be a hero, that was a new idea, right? And it swept the world. I mean, uh, Ben was uh, a lovable rat. Now, the only people who could love Ben was uh, people who never actually honestly had a rat in their bedroom. Uh, again, that's part of the fantasy world. <laughs> you don't have to live through the reality. The fantasy is kind of groovy. But nevertheless, uh, these, uh, these things... Uh, these things uh, really made an impact on the film world. So immediately there was a sequel to it called Willard. Willard, of course, was Ben's cousin. 
Uh, he was uh, working the west side of town while Ben was working the east side, if you recall the films. It's great films. And uh, Willard actually was played by Ben. You know, this shows he's a versatile rat. He can play two different rats. And uh, he was really good at it. The second rat was a little more sensitive than the first rat, if you recall. It was a little more of a more of a literate rat and also more introspective, I thought, than the original rat, Ben. But uh, these were great films. And I would like to suggest to a filmmaker out there a film called Howard. Now, I, I'll, give you the, uh, I'll give you the scenario here in case you're, most filmmakers have to have it spelled out in A, B, C form uh, because they're largely illiterate people too. And, uh, but for the uh, art of the cinema, they would be working at your local SO station pumping the stuff there. However, uh, we, would like to, uh, we would like to give you a brief uh, scenario. It comes on, you can see, all right, you, you're listening now, Bullard. Listening to J.B.? See, I'm going to talk to you like a film writer. Okay, J.B., here's the way it was. Well, it opens up, see. And on the screen, what do we see? Do we see a city street? Do we see it? No, we do not. Do we, do we open up like a uh, usual film, like, uh, you know, like the TV shows? Do we see the skyline of Manhattan? No, we do not. What do we see? I'll tell you what we see. Close up. Now, get this. Now, you listen to J.B.? I want you to picture this shot in your head. Okay? Now, look, I writ a lot of good films for you. I'm not kidding you. I would not come to you with a film unless I thought it had not only box office value, but was going to be an artistic smash, and not only that, Rex Reed would like it, right? It's the kind of thing Rex Reed would dig. All right, now. Okay, now. All right, and also the Village Boys would like this one, too, because it is about the proletariat. All right, now, here we go. Now, we open up. Get this shot now. No credits, nothing. Out of the screen, we see it comes on in full color. We're going to use color in this film. It's got to have color. All right? Full color. And this, incidentally, is, uh, we're talking about a double-A production all the way. This is not going to be a B quickie. A double-A production all the way, and it's right up your line, J.B. All right, now, here we go. Film opens up. It's black film, right? And then, all of a sudden, out of the darkness, we see coming. You got this now. A can of Dutch cleanser. Now, listen carefully. You know what Dutch cleanser is? Now, maybe you ain't been around a kitchen in a long time, J.B., but that's the stuff that the ladies sprinkle in. Well, let's, uh, let's get a little more uh, au courant, as we say uh, in the French. A little more au courant. Uh, we will have a can of Ajax, you know, the kind the lady plumber uses on TV, and everybody recognizes that right away. See, this is automatic recognition of a symbol. It's Ajax. It's Ajax. That kitchen cleanser, boom, boom, da 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 You know what I'm talking about, right? All right, you take, you take, out of the darkness comes in full color this can of Ajax cleanser. Now, we, we bleed it off to the edges, see, so the people can't see actually where it's coming out of, but it's coming out of the darkness. The film, you know, it gets closer and closer. And now, as we see the credits begin to come on the screen, they crawl from left to right. They crawl from left to right across the can of Ajax. We lighten the background ever so slightly, and we see, coming around the can, we see the star of the picture. Just as the credits crawl across and say, Howard, H-O-W-A-R-D, Howard. Now, the camera dollies back ever so slightly, and now we see we are looking at the corner of a kitchen cupboard under the sink. Only we just see the cupboard now. And we see these big mops, all this stuff all around. See? 
big mops, every place, great big. They fill the whole screen. Now, this kind of stuff you just don't see on a screen, J.P. That's what we're going to get that Academy Award on because this, for the first time, shows real life on the screen. What do you see on the screen? You see mops. You see old scrub brushes. You see an old butt end of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that some kid left there many, many months ago, and it's moldy. You see this on the screen. You also see on a screen old uh, Pepsi-Cola bottles, old Coca-Cola bottles, all the kind of stuff that you see under the average house, under the, under the cupboard, in the cupboard, under the average sink in the average house. Now, have you ever seen nothing like that on the screen yet, J.P.? No, you have not. Right away, you got the village voice with you. Because the village voice is going to say a great saga of the slums. Nat Hentoff is going to say it last. Real life has been seen on the screen. At last, a real minority has been given credit for what it has been doing for mankind forever. The cockroach has emerged as the true meek of the earth. All right, Howard comes out. And our star is the cockroach. Howard! It is a film about a cockroach. Now, now, of course, you can't not just make a film about a cockroach. We all know how good Ben was because you see what Ben did. Ben went out and made friends with the people, right? Okay. Howard comes out. He sneaks out. He walks around the Ajax. Now, he walks around the Ajax cam, right? The camera dollies back, and we see, sitting at a table, this very sensitive young boy. A very sensitive young boy, and we know automatically that he is sensitive, and his father does not love him. We know that his mother is, uh, is some kind of a strumpet, or whatever they call him, and she does not love him, and that he is living a lonely life in this city apartment, and he is being neglected, and he's being put upon by his friends and neighbors. And he's also a skinny little kid, so hence he cannot go out and play handball and stickball. He cannot play tennis with the other kids. He has got a very bad set of eyes. In addition to that, now listen to this touch. Listen to this touch. He's got a hearing aid. You never see kids in the films with a hearing aid, right? <laughs> well, that's the touch, you know. So he's got a hearing aid, so automatically you feel sorry for the kid. He's sitting there at the table... And he's reading this very thick book, and he can hardly read it because his eyes are so bad. He is squinting. Now you've got the audience right in the palm of your hand, J.B. At that point, you bring up, and get this, this is, this is for side sales. We've got all kinds of stuff going here, see? Because what, what sells a film today, J.B.? Is it a star? Used to be now. You can't. No film is going to be sold by Joan Crawford, uh, even by Jane Fonder. Uh, any of them people. Now, what is it that sells a film? I'll tell you what sells a film. The theme music, right? The theme music. I mean, that is sold. What about Shaft? A bad film. A bad film? It's all the disc jockeys play the theme from Shaft. Everybody goes to see it because they want to hear the theme. And not only that, we make a lot of those selling them records because we own a copyright on the tune, right? So we have a tune called Howard. And we can get, uh, we can get Rolling Stones to do it. You know, it comes out with the echo chamber. Howard! Howard, oh, I little old lady, Howard. And, you know, it's got this thing about this sensitive cockroach who hates war. Now, remember that. They've got to bring that in because uh, it's got to be revelant. It's got to be a revelant film. So this cockroach hates war, and he comes out not only hates war, he hates poverty, he hates the way poor people are put upon, and in addition to that, he don't like Nixon. So he comes on, and he, you know, we got, we, we, I, I ain't written the song yet, but we'll give that over to Manny and all them guys in the song department. He'll turn out a good song, okay? All right, now, Howard comes out. Now you got it. And you can hear in the background the Rolling Stones. It's the theme from Howard. Why, Cousin Brucey in New York, all them guys get on this thing right away. You send off a couple of telegrams, get the Rolling Stones to do it, and we're in like Flint, right? 
There's our number one hip tune. Now, Howard walks around the Ajax can. And where do you hear this, J.B.? The kid is sitting there, see. Now, this poor kid, this poor kid with the thick glasses, if you can imagine, yeah, if you can imagine like a young Roddy McDowell with pimples. He's, you know, he's a sad kid. What is it? This is the day of the, of the anti-hero. You don't think for one minute that a kid like Andy Hardy could make it today. Oh, no way. The kid's got to be a, a very sensitive kid, and he's wearing, a, he's wearing a sweatshirt that has Snoopy on it, and he's also got, to, you know, give, give him a couple of buttons like Save the Indian, something like that on, and uh, he's sensitive, and he's reading. And he's sitting there reading, and his eyes are watering because he can't see. And then all of a sudden, he notices, coming around the Ajax cam, he notices Howard. Well, for one brief instant, the kid gets this, you know, being a human being. He has this instinct to step on a cockroach, right? Everybody has this instinct. But then he notices the way Howard is moving his little feelers. He is looking right at him, moving his little feelers. And the kid looks up and says, and the first lines I spoke into the film, he says, hello. Well, now, nobody has expected him to talk to the cockroach, right? Caught you off guard, didn't it, J.P.? <laughs> yeah, well, at that point, what does Howard do? Do you think Howard runs away? No, Howard backs up. He looks very shy. He looks very shy. At which point, the kid, who has been eating some fig bars, uh, yet he's got his box of fig bars, he very carefully bends down and puts a little piece, little piece of fig bar right there on the linoleum. And Howard comes out very, very nervously. You know how cockroaches do, but at the same time, we hear the music behind it playing Howard. And then the credits come on, see? Whatever the kid is, we get, you know, they're playing uh, Joey. You call up Joey. You know, that's a good city name, right? And then Howard, played by Howard. That's a real cockroach. And they'll know that he's playing himself. It's a real cockroach. This ain't Raquel Welch or none of them other bimbos. This is a real cockroach. Comes on. Well, then we have all the other credits, all the other cockroaches, see, because we've got a lot of cockroaches coming in. Now, Howard comes out. He makes contact with Joey. He eats the fig bar. He picks it up in his cute little feelers and starts to walk backward, at which point Joey says, the least you could do is say thank you. Well, of course, at that point, all the mothers in the audience are going to like that because what does a mother like better than a polite kid? And he has said, thank you. And at which point, somehow, we get the idea that little Howard has heard him and has recognized the truth of what he says. He drops the fig bar and he waves his feelings in thankfulness. Well, we then fade to the next day. The kid is walking in the kitchen again. He sits down and he opens his book. Now the picture is starting. See, we now know the kid is a downtrodden kid. We have a couple of scenes of him getting beat up in the, in the yard at the school. We get, a, we get a shot of the old man saying, that, Stay out of here when I'm doing my taxes. Quit bugging me. You don't know anything, kid. You know, we get Pat Hingle to play that role. Now, at that point, he sits down and he remembers Howard. And he goes over to the cupboard, opens the cupboard, backs away, and puts down a piece of fig bar. And Howard comes out. Now, I want you to listen, J.P. I don't, uh, listen, I don't give you no jazz on the film. When I'm telling you I'm going to give you a commercial film, I'm giving you a commercial film. What happens? 
days go by. Each day, Joey is training Howard, his friend the cockroach, and now he is bringing all his other friends out. And we see the kitchen floor every day as Joey comes in to eat his fig bars. The entire floor is covered with cockroaches, which are friends of Howard's and are now friends of Joey's. Well, now, of course, the next scene. Here's where the conflict begins. The next scene. This is the big scene in the film. We get Geraldine Page to play the tough mother, right? She is playing his mother, and, you know, she's a drunk, and she's a bum, and she's sitting there, and she's dreaming about the days when she was in the Tennessee Williams plays and all that stuff. And poor little Joey comes home on this day, and he says, Mother, would you please help me? I am doing a paper on Moby Dick the White Whale. Would you please help me with my homework? And she says, get out of here, you little bummer. What's the right about a whale? Don't bother me with that stuff. Well, poor little Joey goes out crying because he has been rejected again. Now he comes in the kitchen, and he looks at Howard, and he gets an idea. And he sicks all the cockroaches on his mother. He says, go get her. She has been giving me a bad time, and she is killed by thousands of beautiful cockroaches. Well, now, I, I, uh, I could see sequels of this. I can see sequels the time that the cockroaches invaded the school, the time he sent the cockroaches to, to break up the patrol boys' picnic that he was not invited to. I can see all this. Now, look, J.P., I can have your treatment within a week. I'll have a treatment within a week, and uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, if you're not interested, I want to tell you something about this. If you're not interested in it, <laughs> Manny, over 20th century, Manny, a 20th century, just the other day, I met him in his lunchroom, and he said to me, he says, listen, Sal, you come up with an idea for a good cockroach film, and you and I are going to work. So I'm just giving it to your parents because of all the stuff we've done together. And I just thought to you, honest, here at Butter's Point, Howard, the star cockroach. That wouldn't be a bad film, would it? You'd kind of like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Well, now, wait a minute. Don't, don't put it down there. See, the, the cockroach is, uh, is, is, I think, uh, is, is, uh, is, is a ubiquitous character, and nobody's done a true full film on the cockroach. I'll give you... Uh, all right, now, wait a minute. Not just a minute. You think Shepard is blowing smoke again. There's this constant, constant feeling that Shepard is constantly blowing smoke. To those who do not understand what life is about, it does sound like smoke blowing. I will agree. But uh, are you aware that, that, that a, a, a short story writer once wrote a complete short story about, and a major short story writer at that, starring a flea? It was about a flea. And the flea not only was just a flea, but he went to Hollywood and became a Hollywood star. Okay. And, and the, the rise and fall, it was a terrible story also, how he fell from grace in Hollywood, this flea. You know, the bigger they get, the quicker they fall, man, and the harder they fall. That's just mean, the way life treats you like that. Uh, would you please uh, lay us uh, on that Swiss Air commercial, please? Switzerland is a logical country with a logical airline called Swiss Air, an airline that has a very logical airfare to Europe. It's called the 2245-day fare. All you have to do is spend between 22 and 45 days in Europe. That's the only condition. You don't have to make reservations months in advance, as you do on chartered flights. If you want to leave today, leave today. 
You also don't have to buy any land arrangements. You don't even have to travel with a group or return from the same city you arrived in. Try and find a charter deal like that. The 22-45-day fare. $277 round trip from New York to Switzerland during April and May. Or $327 to Vienna. A logical fare from a logical airline. Fly Swiss Air. An airline is a lot like the country it comes from. Oh, uh, yeah. For more information, call or visit your travel agent or Swiss Air. Thank you. Zap. Well, you kind of like that film. Uh, I'll give you a, uh, I'll give you a bit of trivia here. Uh, a word of, uh, word of trivia. A question here, a cultural question. What was the name of that flea that appeared in that short story? He had a name, and and who wrote the story? <laughs> all right, all right. Now I, I have to finish this editorial here from the the Diamondback. Uh, we're celebrating uh, spring cockroach season. And it's happening in schools. He says, not, o- not only cockroaches, he says, while in, while in my math recitation the other day, billions and billions of flies distracted me. They were everywhere, landing on every conceivable part of the body. Uh, just think, there could be thousands upon thousands of maggots. See, this is a baby fly. In the rotting ceiling above where the electrician left his egg salad on rye last week. Thousands ready to fall on me any second. This horrors. Also, the mature flies traversing the room in front of the blackboard can be disturbing. Just about anything can distract me from math. Can you imagine the disgrace of getting a four-credit C because of flies? Your your grade average blown away by the housefly as commonest or whatever the hell the Latin is. What kind of excuse is that to give your parents when you flunk out? Flies. The mind boggles at the ways this insect can make our lives miserable. He brings up an interesting point. He said, how about the poor students who have had the misfortune to have experimented with LSD, mescaline, and other insanity-inducing poisons? These drugs, this is a student writing, he says, these drugs cause you to see trails following moving objects. Did you know that? That's a fact. You see a trail behind it. And he says, can you imagine trying to understand differential calculus while these dive bombers are whizzing and zooming back and forth in front of your eyeballs, leaving a trail like Halley's Comet each time? These merciless pests, don't they realize what they can be doing to our concept of mathematics? It's either us or them. Well, that's the truth. In fact, um, I, I, uh, as, as, uh, I, it seems to me that, that one of my great memories of, of college classrooms is watching flies walk around on, on a window next to me. Just sitting there watching a fly try to make his way up the shiny glass and then sliding back down. <laughs> it just keeps going up and sliding back down. And I, 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 uh, I think it's only fitting that uh, at this time uh, that, that we do take the uh, we do take the time out of our our uh, rushing humanoid days to say that the the simple cockroach gives man faith. Me personally, I can say that. But as I see each succeeding generation of cockroaches rising strong out of the ashes of the preceding generation, it gives me faith in the continuity of life. And so tonight, we've taken this time out to salute the spring, the spring generation, the new 1973 generation of cockroaches who are carrying the cockroach torch high and who will march forward into the future 
with great, uh, I would have to say, great, uh, uh, tremendous elan and the confidence that the cockroach race will continue. I imagine they even have little graduations. You know, where each succeeding generation of cockroaches is given the, the torch of, of freedom. And by the way, the cockroach is an extremely free animal. He moves. He knows no family ties like the bee. You know, the bee is hung up with queens and all that stuff. Oh, not the cockroach. You put a cockroach in your lunchbox and you have established a new colony. They seem to be able to produce almost by <laughs> almost by hermaphroditic means, which is, again, part of their tremendous resiliency. And so tonight, for those of you who do have great reverence of life itself, I'm said life, and I mean reverence for life and of life. We must, perforce, honor the ubiquitous, the valiant cockroach and salute this new spring generation May they proliferate, and may they enjoy the fruits of our labors. Little crumbs. <laughs> oh, no, the cockroach does not weave, nor does he spin. He just eats. Incidentally, it has been said that the cockroach was the first animal to discover the benefits of welfare. He produces nothing. He only demands... I thought that was a real public service. Next week, we salute the bed bug. Thank you, thank you. You've been very, you've been very brave, gang. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.